Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, our website, if you missed it over the Christmas break, our website is all new, brand new, and it will work on your mobile phone. So if you've been one of those people out there listening to our show, frustrated that our website wasn't working, I apologize. We had to redo the whole thing because all of a sudden it went non-responsive, as they call it. Uh, when WordPress did an upgrade, so we had to redo the whole website. So it's done, it works, and it's brand new. It looks fantastic. Make sure you take the time to go to iWorkForHim.com. And click on the I Work For Him Nation tab. Please consider being one of a thousand people in Tampa Bay to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. To start setting that standard of what a Christ follower does in a workplace. Praying for people. Praying with people. Being servant-hearted. Being a friend to those in need of a friend. But all along being the best and brightest example of a coworker of an employee in your workplace, all to bring glory to God. You know, as we look at our new year, if you missed last Friday's show, New Year's Day, I took a different approach to it, and I just said, listen, instead of setting a New Year's resolution, I renamed it and said, let's do a retrospective resolution. How did your 2016 look? What did it look like? 
Not what are you going to do, but what did it look like? And if you go out to iWorkForHim.com and click and sign up for our iWorkForHim blog, you can see what I've already accomplished in 2016 because I am acting as if these things are already done. My personal life, my spiritual life, my, my professional life, my physical life. What am I going to accomplish? Not what am I going to accomplish, what I've already accomplished, as if it's already 12-31-2016. Because we've got a new start. Resolutions never work, but we can set goals for ourselves, and that's what this is. Hey, every day on I Work For Him, I try to bring a guest onto the show that will challenge the way you think about your workplace. Because it takes a paradigm shift in our minds to look at our workplace differently than the world looks at it. Romans 12.2 reminds us of this, and every day I say this verse, so you should be saying it along with me. But you may ask me, you may say, Jim, I don't know what I can or cannot do in the workplace. I don't know what's legal or not. That's why we brought our guest on today. Today, we've got Brad Dacus, with the president with the Pacific Justice Institute, talking about your religious rights in the workplace. Brad, welcome to I Work For Him. Oh, it's great to be on the program. Thank you. Hey, did I say your last name right? Because if I didn't, I apologize. No, I think it's Brad Dacus, yeah. Okay, good. That's right. I just I, I should have asked that ahead of time, and for some reason, I didn't. And so I, I, don't, I always like to apologize. I'm not ashamed to say I make mistakes. Brad, as we get into the show, I always ask every guest, before we get onto the topic of conversation, I really want to know, so that everybody can live vicariously through your Christian walk, how is Jesus Christ making a difference in your life today? Uh, hope. Uh, in my work at Pacific Justice Institute, we deal with a lot of, of struggles, a lot of challenges that are taking place in our nation, uh, unparalleled, un, uh, un, un, unthought of, uh, unforeseeable in many ways. And if I did not have uh, my faith in, uh, in Christ and knowing the promises of His Word, how things are going to turn out, and also His, his power and His uh, life-changing power in in situations and um, it's people around me and, and that I'm de- in situations we're dealing with in terms of these cases, uh, I would probably just collapse. Um, it is the hope of, uh, of knowing and faith in God's power through Christ that, uh, that uh, is what it gives me the encouragement to continue doing what I'm doing every day at Pacific Justice Institute. So some days you just wish, like, maybe I just want to go get a regular job. Maybe I could just go work at, like, Dairy Queen or, or Chick-fil-A <laughs> or something. I mean, have you ever had those days where you're like, you know what? I want to just go get one of those normal jobs to those people that work 9 to 5. You ever, have you ever had those thoughts? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, uh, they, 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 come, they definitely do come. And then my wife will say, yeah, honey, and then you'll, you'll regret it because you know you're not doing what God wants you to do. I said, you're right. You're right. But that first day, it may feel good. I don't know. But I know when Jonah ran away from the Lord, it doesn't say the first day was really bad on the ship, but it got really ugly for him the further oh, yeah. and further he got from his destination. So Yeah, when we're doing something that is, that is against in the, the wrong direction from what God wants for us to do, uh, we're miserable. It's it's that simple. I do a lot of guest preaching at churches, and I preach at large churches. I guess preach at small churches. I don't charge anything, no honorarium, nothing. And people say, well, why do you do that? And I said, if I didn't do it, I would be miserable because I would be not doing what God has given me the the passion to do and to which is to preach and evangelize. And um, and it's, it's 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 true. You know, it, it we're not we're we're not doing what God's put on our heart to do. We're we're not we're not content. And uh, that's so important for us to, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what God wants us to do. All right, so talk to me about what Pacific Justice Institute is all about. Yeah, well, we at Pacific Justice Institute are a nonprofit organization, and we're committed to defending uh, religious freedom and, and basic civil liberties 
we do so completely without charge, and we're sort of unique in that we don't just take on the high-profile cases, uh, you know, the, the big precedent-setting cases. We have some of those, definitely. But our goal is to make sure that no one's left on the side of the road, that everyone gets help. And uh, no, no matter uh, you know what there's, what, no matter whether it's a big case or a small case, when it deals with religious freedom, uh, but we also don't we not only just defend cases, we also would like to empower uh, people to be able to know their rights, to e- exercise their rights of religious freedom, and that's what takes us into uh, the workplace because we work really hard to uh, empower and enable business owners to know their rights so they can live their faith. We I do a lot of guest lecturing at uh, seminars and uh, for different organizations uh, like C12 and others. Uh, I also uh, we also produce a quarterly newsletter uh, for business owners on the latest update in the law impacting their rights to live and share their faith through their through the workplace. And of course, we have a fantastic training video that we make available for a donation of any amount to PJI, uh, which trains uh, business owners specifically on all the specific ways they can legally evangelize through their business to their employees, to their customers, to their community, how their business can even partner with ministries and churches legally. So it's it's really empowering, and that is a part, an important part of what we do at Pacific Justice as well as defending. Okay, you brought up a couple things. Let's make sure that the audience, whether they're listening to it now or whether they're listening to a podcast later, then how to get these things. How do people sign up to get your quarterly newsletter? Do they just go out to pacificjustice.org, or is there a special spot to go? Oh yeah, they can do that. Pacificjustice.org. Um, there's also faithintheworkplace.net. Faithintheworkplace.net. Uh, the easiest way is simply dial our uh, call our number uh, in our Sacramento office and ask for the information, and that's the nine one six eight five seven sixty nine hundred. That's nine one six eight five seven sixty nine hundred six nine zero zero. And uh, either of those ways, pji dot org or faithintheworkplace.net, or 916-857-6900. And the calling is probably the easiest for most people uh, to get this information and these resources. And uh, we really look forward to, to serving people all throughout the United States. And I love having excuses coming to Florida. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why? You live in California. I thought everybody that lives in California thinks it's the greatest place on the planet. Well, it is. But but it, it's, it's oh okay come on! To... <laughs> you just said you can't possibly mean that. It can't. I mean, you're fighting workplace-related uh, religious rights, and you think California is the greatest place. I mean, at least well, here, at least here, you've got most people here can do whatever they want in the workplace, and nobody's yeah. fighting them. California is a little bit different. It, it, actually, what you said is totally true, and in that the uh, the intensity is the greatest, I believe, here in California than anywhere in the country when it comes to hostility to religious freedom, and particularly in the workplace. So we're we're well situated, but we have affiliate attorneys all across the United States, and uh, including in, in in Florida. And by the way, we're always recruiting new affiliate attorneys who want to get involved in our in, in these in these cases and case matters. Uh, we do all our work without charge completely, and um, so we we. Uh, but I'd, like I said, I love Florida. It's a beautiful place. Uh, to me, it's the, uh, the 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 Caribbean. Um, uh, attached to the uh, to the United States, it's just wonderful. Most parts are really really nice, but there's times where you know, like this morning, it was kind of cold. It was almost down to fifty this morning. Wow, that is uh, <laughs> that is unusual. Oh no, it's just awesome. It was the most ridiculously hot fall that we've ever had in our entire. I mean, it, literally, it was beautiful until New Year's Eve. I mean, it was eighty every day all fall. We had four days we could open our windows. It was unbelievable. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk about religious rights in the workplace. And when you said at the beginning of the show the unparalleled challenges today that we're facing, 
today. I mean, our beloved president starts off with, hey, there's one last thing that I haven't destroyed yet in our country, and it's gun rights. We still got too many guns out there. We're going to fight guns instead of the people that use the guns. I mean, and he's attacking the Second Amendment right. I don't want to go on to that, but I just thought it was amazing that he that he just well, I've got one last thing I haven't I haven't really touched yet. How do you expect to get involved in that battle at all? Yeah, I don't think it's it'll be necessary for us to get involved in that battle uh, because the NRA uh, is is very very powerful. Um, I am I am personally very um, you know uh, supportive of what they're what they're doing. And um, but if, if they they needed assistance, if there was a need for that, then uh, you know that's the kind of thing we could address. But uh, I, I without question, this this president has, and I don't like, I don't like to be too political, but um, we we'll just deal with the facts, then, because yeah, that's not just, political if you're dealing yeah, with facts. Just just factually, um, he has been the, the greatest uh, has had the, played the greatest assault on the U.S. Constitution. Uh, in decades than any president, um, and specifically not only regarding gun, gun rights, right to bear arms, but also religious freedom. Uh, the military has taken an about face and a, an outright hostility, not only the chaplains, but people of faith throughout the military. The top brass of the top have been changed so that uh, all but one of the top generals is uh, no longer a, uh, is, is a professing Christian. So we have uh, a, a, the changes in government policy from the EEOC, uh, Department of Education, Department of Justice, um, their their policies are all being being implemented in a way that's very hostile uh, to uh, to Christianity and to uh, religious tolerance. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, and the, the gun battle is one of those ones that people just don't understand that you know the cities that have banned guns. Have 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 it doesn't work to ban guns. It it, it works right. better to if ever if the criminals know that people are carrying guns, they're less inclined to repeat crime. So right. So let's talk about religious rights in the workplace because our rights really Obamacare was a huge attack on religious rights. And thank goodness for families like the Green family and the Chick-fil-A family that have fought that battle all the way to the Supreme Court to at least keep us from having to provide abortion drugs in our workplaces if we don't want to. But there's a lot of attacks going on in the workplace. Let's talk specifically about why do you think that this has become such a hot topic, our religious rights in a workplace? Why do you think it's become such a hot topic? Well, partly because... Um, the message of Christianity is an affront to the change in values in, uh, in society. You know, it used to be that the Christian worldview is homogeneous with American culture. Um, unfortunately, particularly in places like California, and I have to you know, qualify things because the United States is not the same everywhere, but particularly in places like California, Christianity, the Christian worldview, is no longer, I would say, homogeneous with, with the culture. Uh, specifically, when you have, with regard to the, uh, the gay rights movement, the transgender rights movement; um, those are movements that are not just uh, for the purpose of ending harassment of their their members, but they want to silence absolute. They want to make acceptance mandatory and silence anyone and punish anyone who speaks up in in opposition to their worldview, their moral moral view or amoral view regarding uh, those decisions, those lifestyles. And by you know, should we as Christians have 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 love and respect for these people? Absolutely. I think that's an area that we really have, have messed up on in the past. Mm-hmm. And we I need agree. to be reaching out in love and compassion and, and, uh, and, and displaying that and looking for opportunities. Uh, but we also need to face the reality that the agenda we're facing right now is one of complete to, to silence and, and to uh, completely stifle 
anyone who has is expressing any Christian worldview that is contrary to their agendas. And we're going to see. We'll give you a classic example in California. It was uh, defeated narrowly, narrowly, a law that was going to remove the state tax exempt status of every nonprofit youth organization, including Awanas, Youth for Christ, Young Life, you know, etc. That was not willing to hire a, either a, a gay or a transgender youth leader. That was defeated by just a few votes. It had the two thirds that it needed in the state senate. It got those two thirds votes. It just fell a few short in the state assembly. If that had passed, the next thing on the chopping block would have been every single church and synagogue in the state of California. And this model is, is going to be attempted all throughout the country, and if, if possible, on a federal level, uh, depending on who, of course, is uh, occupying Washington, D.C. That, that kind of stuff. When you say stuff like that, the, the hearts of those listening, they, all of a sudden they're like, well, wait a minute, is there any hope? I mean, because our world is disintegrating around us. Now, as a country, we turned our backs on God 60 years ago. But there are still many, many Christ followers here in this country. You know, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, probably millions. Right. But it is, it does seem like we're not winning these battles. That eventually, you know, what goes in California eventually makes it across the country. We're talking today with Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. You can find out more about them online at pacificjustice.org, pacificjustice.org, or their phone number is 916-857-6900, and you could sign up for their quarterly newsletter so you can know how your rights are changing. Brad, before we went to the break, we mentioned that as things go in California, they eventually overtake the entire nation. How, how, is there any way to stop the tidal wave of insanity that starts on the West Coast? Well, yes. And first off, um, I want to keep things in proper perspective. Okay. First is, because I think you've made some really good points, it does seem very doom and gloom, and the trend is definitely not moving in the right direction, with the exception of the pro-life movement, which is making tremendous headway. Uh, it's very encouraging. But generally speaking, we're seeing a downward trend socially and culturally. But at first, it's, the first point is that this is not the first time we've seen a downward trend in our country. Like in the 1920s, for example, uh, alcoholism per capita was an all-time historic high. It's never been as high as it was in the early 1920s. Uh, it was things were, were footloose and uh, moving in the wrong direction morally, ethically, at a very fast clip. And what happened? We had a World War II, a Great Depression, a huge dust bowl. People, people were humbled, they, uh, and they, they went back to the Lord. And, uh, and began to pray like never before. Uh, God often uses hard times to bring a nation back. And so when we see hard times happen and we see these kind of challenges, we should be all the more uh, open to, to, to uh, living our faith. Also, when culture is divergent from Christianity, Christians shine all the brighter among the darkness because of that. We no longer have the, the um, you know, Christian in name only, if you will, um, as much, and, and we're able to really distinguish Christi, true Christianity and um, and also persecution is sort of the name of the game for for Christianity. It's I encourage people to read Second Timothy chapter three and chapter four. God promises us to be persecuted if we're living for Christ, and uh, in verse 11, verse twelve, and nonetheless gives us the exhortation a few verses down to cling to Scripture, preach the word, and keep our eye on the goal of the upward calling of Christ and the, the, what is to to be revealed, uh, what we're to receive, uh, the crown of righteousness. So, I want people not to be discouraged now in the workplace. How do we do, what do we do practically? I think it's real important to note that um, it's first it's about relationships, um, having relationships with love and respect for people right where they are. God takes each of us right where we are, 
And so I encourage people in the workplace, you want to be do something positive or people are in relation with people you know who may not be Christians, um, set up a relationship with them, give them love, respect right where they are, and, and then with that have the opportunity to share your story, as Paul did, and from that build the opportunity uh, for them to hopefully uh, to receive Christ and, uh, and then see the, the transformation in their lives. And that is something that has proven itself throughout the ages. It's in the Scripture, and we just need to be implementing it in the workplace. Whether uh, and, and, and that's what we at Pacific Justice do with our video tra- training video is to make it very clear how to do that very easily. Well, talk about the training video. You said for a small donation of any type, or a donation of any type is what you said, right. people can get this video. Uh, how can Is that on your website on pacificjustice.org? Yes, um, yes, they can do that and uh, make that request, and, and we can send that to them. And uh, or even they can send the request for information. They can just, uh, send that request. I want the you know the faith and workplace training video. Um, and if someone doesn't have any any finances, fine. We'll send it to them complimentary. I'm just we just encourage uh, some kind of donation to help us cover the cost if possible. But it's it's professionally high grade produced video. Um, it was an, uh, it received an award just a, a few years ago. Uh, as being the best Christian documentary ever uh, for that year. I think it was 2011. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's very informative. It, for example, you know, many business owners, you know, they want to reach out to their employees. They hear a motivational sermon Sunday morning. And then, Monday, and then Monday morning, they're like, oh, shoot, I don't want to get sued. So they don't do anything. They keep their faith to themselves. We talk about, for example, how they can actually share their testimony to all their employees and one reason one reason employers don't share their testimony, they think, well, gosh, I, I said profanity last week when the when the numbers weren't good. Everyone's going to call me a hypocrite. But your testimony is not how how perfect you are. It's how much God's grace and forgiveness and God taking you right where you are, and that grace and forgiveness being available to others. So people shouldn't be intimidated to do that. And then we talk about ways of bringing Christ into the company, whether through Bible studies, chaplains, outside speakers, programs. Even how they can have their, offer their employees to go on short-term missions trips legally, or to work for ministries part-time through the company legally, and then also, of course, we talk about how to prevent business owners from being sued. <laughs> That's real important uh, to help them cover their backside, and we we address that issue as well. And then finally, we make it really clear that we will represent them without charge, uh, no matter where they are in the United States, if they're sued specifically for implementing anything that we tell them that they can do, which is um, I think very impressive for many um, many to realize that. I think a lot of people really underestimate the power of prayer. You know, one of the things that I encourage people at the beginning and end of every one of my shows is to join the I Work For Him Nation. It's not something they, it's not a club or anything like that, but it's a commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and yes. every day. Because when you start to pray for people, Yes, they may be impacted, but more so what's impacted is your own heart. And as you start to pray for people, you are then given opportunities sometimes to pray with people or to let people know that, hey, I'm praying for you. How do you want me to be praying for you? But it opens up doors specifically when they get in trouble, they will come to you and say, "Okay, listen, I know you're a man or woman of prayer. I, my life sucks right now. Can you pray for me? I mean, it's an amazing thing. But just starting by praying with people, praying for people. Start yes. not even with them, praying for people. It's an amazing deal, and and that's we and look at to be a to serve people, to befriend people, keeping all this stuff without an agenda, but just being Christ to them. 
Yes. And then looking for ways to be the best and brightest example of an employee in your position. All of those things give you a platform to actually share with people. Yeah, and I, I love what you said. It's, it's almost like you saw the first part of our training video because... Oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. You, well, I, I'm impressed because... But no, that's, it's, it's truth is truth, and that's exactly what we, one of the things we talk about is, is saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you, um, how to connect, find out where someone's at, and then having that as, a, as, a, as an, as to, to open up the, uh, the opportunity so when they do have problems. And then also when you start talking about praying for people, how it changes their heart and attitude, that's something that I have implemented a number of times in working relationships um, with people where um, they're getting under my, you know, they're, they've, they've wronged me perhaps in some way even, and when I start start to pray for them, I begin to see them as God sees them with the love and grace and compassion that God has for them, and it is incredible empowerment that God gives us to do beyond what we could do in the natural, and it is a very powerful testimony to people who don't know Christ. It just, it, people underestimate the power of prayer. I mean, it yes. just is, and I've seen it, when I started praying, I got introduced to a, a, a devotional email from Oz Hillman back in 2006, and it just started talking about, I don't one of them just talked about praying for your coworkers and employees, and I started praying for my bosses, started praying for my employees, and eventually I got to help lead one of my bosses to Christ through a crisis, got to help um, pray with, help one of, two or three of my employees rededicate their commitment to Christ, and, and just got the chance to be real with people who never would have given Christ a chance, and, and it had nothing to do with me, but my heart was transformed towards them by praying for them. It, yes. was, it was powerful. So when you look at the rights of a business owner uh, and business employees, because they've got different rights, does it, does it depend on the size of the company? I mean, do, do small companies have different rights than big companies? Do, do public employees that work for the government have different rights than employees that work for a small business? Yeah. Uh, first, as far as government versus private sector, government employees, uh, ironically, actually have more rights in a sense when it comes to uh, religious freedom and religious free speech. Um, you know, for example, we defended a postman uh, who worked for the postal, uh, U.S. Postal Service, and there was a, in a bulletin announcement board. He put up an announcement of a church event. An employee who doesn't who doesn't like Christians complained about it, said it had to be taken down. Well, in a private sector company, there is more discretion for what's allowed to be put on the board or not. But in a, a public company, or you know, public, like the government, um, he's protected, and we defended him, and, and they, the U.S. Postal Service backed down. So government workers have not only uh, Title VII rights, which applies to the private sector against discrimination and harassment, but also they have First Amendment rights that apply to them as a government worker for the government. As far as the private companies go, um, if people have... Uh, less than 15 employees on the, under federal law. Uh, they're not bound by some of the, the, the Title VII, some of the same provisions of, uh, of the law, so they, there's a greater dis- discretion in terms of how they do things. Uh, well, and that's, co- I, w- I want to stop you right there. I really want to focus on that less than 15, because well, you've spent a lot of time in Florida. You know that Florida is full of small businesses. I mean, really small businesses. There's like 30,000 of them in Tampa Bay, of uh, businesses with 10 or less employees. So I really want to talk about that, because there's a lot of people listening today that really want to know, hey, what, what rights do I really have? So let's pick up the conversation right there. How right, we're talking today with Brad Dacus, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Brad, we're talking about the fact that small business owners with 15 employees or less have different they have different exposure in this religious rights than employers with more than 15 employees yeah and actually i think it's it's, it's less than 15 employees okay. so i want to be, clarify that uh, 14 but, then yeah 14 yeah and it's 15 or more 
Um, yeah, the, 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 on the, as far as the federal civil rights statute goes, Title VII, uh, that kicks in and applies if they have 15 or more employees, which, which deals with whether they can be sued for religious-based discrimination, for example, uh, Section 701J and um, Section 701B. So those are um, – and, and, that's, and that's good. But even if a company is, has 15 or, or more employees, this is really important – they still have tremendous rights and opportunities. Everything in our training video assumes that they're bound by the Title VII. So it, we take the worst case scenario, the most, uh, to make sure that every employer is is knows their full gambit of what they can do, irrespective of whether or not they're bound by by Title VII. And there's also, of course, uh, state laws and statutes. As an attorney, I have to do have my disqualifier there. My qualifier there as far as um, that there may be states or local uh, municipal statutes and ordinances that come into play as well. But generally speaking, uh, what we're, we talk about is, is very clear in what uh, business owners can do. And uh, there's just so much unbelievable opportunity out there that people have to live their faith through their businesses. And we have real examples of real people that have done that. Done that. Uh, one that we represented, we have towards the end of our training video. It's about a man and woman. They had a a swimming pool, and where they trained, uh, you know, swimmers and stuff. That was their business, like a gym. And they played Christian music, had Christian pictures, and they lived their faith, and they were sued for it, and we represented them without charge. And after two years of litigation, the judge dismissed the case against them and said that they have every right to live their faith through their business so long as they're not discriminating on, on who's using their services or their employees. They can be as bold as they wish. And that is a, is a classic example of, of what we want people to know. That's the, And that's great. Now, speak to the needs of the employee, because the employees out there, that, that was a business owner example. There's a lot of employees out there going, I don't really know what I can do and what I can't do. I don't know what I can say and can't say. I don't know what I can demand and what I can't demand. And I'll, and I'll, and I speak to the demand thing. Listen, as Christ followers, we need to, we need to fight for our rights, but we need to do so in a Christ-like manner. Remember he laid right. down for them, but talk about those from the employee perspective. Oh, you bet. Uh, first, the, the the civil rights statute, federal civil rights statute, protects Christians from harassment. They're, they're the, they have the same harassment protection as people do based on their race, ethnicity, gender, uh, or in some states, uh, gender identity, um, like California. They, uh, but religion has the same level of protection with regard to harassment. And so we see people use phrases like, oh, you're a homophobe, you're one of those Jesus homophobes. Bam! That's that's harassment right there. Uh, now, do we do we you know file a claim and file a lawsuit? Um, we have a, we have a different standard as Christians. Sometimes that may be the right thing to do. Sometimes it's not. We need to always look for the guidance of, and calling of the Holy Spirit. What does God want us to do? But we don't want fear to be what what causes us fear or anger to be our driving force. It needs to be the Holy Spirit with an attitude of love for those people that we're we're dealing with. And uh, and so individuals have tremendous opportunities. They also have a right to be reasonably accommodated because of their sincerely held religious beliefs. That's the law. And so they can. Uh, so employers who have uh, 15 or more employees have to reasonably accommodate sincerely held religious beliefs. So if someone wants, like the case we had dealing with Macy's, there was an employee who uh, had for a number of years had always had Sunday off to go to church, and they had no problem. She had a new supervisor. Uh, this is in Southern California. The supervisor says, "Oh no, you're going to work on Sunday. I don't care. I'm your supervisor." Yeah, you know, wasn't exactly the most faith-friendly supervisor, 
uh, Macy's backed her up and said, yeah, that's right. You have to work on Sunday. We don't give a flip. We don't, you know, and so we had Pacific Justice had to file a lawsuit, litigate the matter, and we won. And that employee was protected to be able to, to go to church on Sunday and be reasonably accommodated. Now, was a company like Macy's penalized for doing that kind of thing, or is it just they have to accommodate? After all of two years of legis- of, uh, of litigation, I mean, that, that's a lot of expense on your part, their part. I mean, I mean what, what's out there for people? Yeah, well, actually, yeah, there's, if they, that's a good, real good question. First, um, of course, is the, the injunctive relief that is saying, hey, you've got to let her go to church. But also, uh, there's also potential monetary damages that the, uh, the employee can, can, uh, can obtain. Uh, which we we fight for, and then also there's attorney fees that they have to 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 pay for. Now, initially, when I first started Pacific Justice Institute in 1997, uh, I would say, "Oh, no attorney fees, that's okay. Okay, you're not going to do it again." I discovered that the people didn't take it seriously if they didn't have a price they had to pay for their their decisions. So we make them. If we have to litigate 90 percent of the time or more, we don't have to litigate. We get things resolved. But if we do have to litigate, we make them pay uh, reimburses for attorney costs, attorney time for our attorneys who spend their time on the case. And, um, and that's very, uh, very important. It has a very powerful impact. I mean, I, I like that because I think people should pay. Because you're right, people don't, unless there's pain involved, they don't usually learn anything. I mean, that's the unfortunate part. Most of us are like that with anything in our lives. Most of us have to experience pain in order to go, huh, that oven was hot. I shouldn't have put my hand in there. <laughs> exactly. Are there anything, is there anything coming down the pike, you know, maybe some litigation that's gone on in 2015 that in 2016 our lives in a workplace are being impacted by lawsuits that were won or lost in 2015? Are there changes coming? Well, uh, we have ongoing litigation that is right now in process as I speak. One is dealing with a professor from Cal State Northridge who was harassed and then fired uh, because of his Christian beliefs. And uh, we are representing him. It's a very important case, a very outrageous case. Um, was that a, the scientist guy? Yeah, that was a scientist. Okay, I was going to ask you about that one because I read about that one on your website. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, he discovers a 40-foot-long um, mammoth tusk. Uh, in uh, up in, in Montana, and uh, he discovered inside the tusk itself was soft tissue that had not decomposed. And there's different scientific possible explanations for this, but it's it, it is definitely evidence for those who advocate for a um, a young Earth for in terms of creation. And um, but he didn't mention scripture. He just did the article, peer-to-peer review journal, validated it, unquestionably validated. And he was harassed, and the, general, the professor who was screaming and yelling at him, saying there's no place for people like, with religious people like you working for this university. When that person, when that professor a year later was his supervisor, he immediately had him fired. And, uh, and that, was, that was the only evidence for firing him is because of his, his professional work, which he, the other professor thought was um, too challenging for him in his atheist uh, apparent perspective. So we're representing him, and it's real important because out on the Internet, we've seen language using the word purge. They need to purge Christians from CEO positions and, and professorships and, and government positions. That is the, the agenda for those who have a different philosophy and lifestyle in terms of life and, and uh, an attitude about people who believe what the Bible says. So purging is, the, is a word openly now being used on the Internet uh, by those opposed to the Christian worldview in terms of employment. Um, another example was a, another, uh, another professor, actually, from uh, Fresno City College, 
he was teaching about the uh, harmful effects uh, from a health science uh, perspective. That was his class, health science, um, the harmful effects of different sexual activities and lifestyles. I'm not going to get any more graphics than just saying that. And because what he said was truthful but nonetheless was politically not correct, um, he was demoted and harassed, and we have represented him as well. He is eventually now retired. Um, but uh, so those we see that in the, in the public place. But also, as far as business owners, we have you know we've heard about the case about the florist um, who was sued because of their conviction not to provide a cake and participate in a, uh, a gay wedding. Same with a uh, baker, a, f- a photographer. We have right now in a state that has yet to litigate the issue a client who is uh, we're waiting for a decision from the Human Rights Commission of that state as to whether they're going to be suing this this baker. And we are pretty confident that they are going to be sued, and we're going to be representing them uh, without charge. Um, it's very important that we fight these state by state so that people never have to choose between their business and having to participate in an event or activity that is totally against their religious beliefs. Well, let's talk about the baker in Oregon that they just paid that fine over Christmas break. I mean, right. That, I mean, that was pretty tough. I'm like, man, they lost. They had to pay the fine. Right. So how could they have handled that better? And is there any hope for them to ever get that money back? Yeah, if they win on appeal, that's a possibility. That's not our that particular case is not our case. Um, we're very supportive of the attorneys who are handling. I know the attorneys handling it. Um, so if they win on appeal, then then yes, they could. But the the, the problem um, with the situation is these people that I talked about, photographer, florist, you know, uh, baker, none of them discriminated against anyone because of their sexual orientation. They had many clients in the past who they knew were gay provided services, loving, respectful way. All these cases, though, involve them having to participate in an event, a religious event, that is a wedding, that totally violated their religious beliefs. And the courts did not distinguish that. They said, no, it's the same as just discriminating against gay people. No, 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 that's not what the issue was about for any of these these people that were sued. Um, So that's the big issue that we're going to be litigating, is can the courts make a distinguishment between individuals and an event, and from a Christian worldview, it's night and day. Brad, we're talking about these cases out there where people have made a stand and they've gone to court, and some people have gotten penalized. Are there certain states that maybe if you're going to start a new business, maybe, and you're a Christ follower and you want to live your faith out in your workplace, maybe there's certain states to avoid right now? Well, I wouldn't say just to to avoid states completely. It depends on the business, but um, any business related to weddings, uh, wedding services, that's where the risk is, the high risk is. And those are states like Oregon, Washington, California, Massachusetts. Um, generally speaking, blue states that are heavily dominated and controlled by Democrats in their their, their legislature or in their, their state Supreme Court. I don't want to be political here, but just the fact. That's just the reality. Um, and uh, generally, states that are red states, more conservative justice on their state Supreme Courts, these are state constitutional issues or state statutory issues. Um, those are going to be safer states. But uh, but we need uh, Christian businesses all throughout the United States. They just need to count the cost depending on what their individual business is. As we look forward to the election, not only of just our president, but really of, a, of Congress and of lots of new senators, are there specific things? I mean, Christ followers, first of all, they just anybody that's listening, you need to get involved in voting. You know, we'd have a different election results the last two of them if just uh, evangelicals would have gotten off their keisters and pulled the pulled the arm at, at the voting machine. But is there anything you want to say to people as we look to elections, you know, 11 months from now? 
Yeah, um, they need to vote biblically and from a true Christian worldview. It's easy to get caught up in, in charisma and passion, but that's not the, the standard God gives us. He wants us to vote for people who really truly believe and have practiced in uh, his, his, his teachings and believe in his teachings. And, uh, and there are some candidates with great charisma that are clearly not followers of Christ. And I've talked to them and I've seen it firsthand. So we need to not be deceived. We need to be wise and, and not let it go by emotions. They pray about it and go by the Word of God and what God's Word says. I love the way you said that. Brad Dacus with the Pacific Justice Institute, thank you so much for being on I Work for Him today. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, learning a little bit more about your religious rights in your workplace. When you get home tonight, would you consider going to iWorkForHim.com and joining the I Work For Him Nation today? Make that commitment that in 2016, you're going to pray for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day, because that's how we're going to take the city. today a lot about our rights in the workplace from a Christ-following standpoint, our religious rights. But here's the thing we need to keep in mind, that as Christ followers, we don't need to go in and beat people over the head with our Bibles or our faith. That if we're living our lives for Christ, if we're truly following the Lord with everything we're with everything we're trying to do, if we're starting our days in prayer and we're spending time reading His Word, our lives will be transformed, and that transformation is going to make an impact on all those that work around you. And if you start praying for them, and if you start looking for ways to serve them, looking for ways to befriend them, looking for ways to pray with them, your workplace is going to change by the power of God, not because of you beating somebody over the head with the gospel. The gospel comes out, the truth comes out when we love our neighbors as ourselves and love and pray for those who persecute us. Don't mistake the words of Jesus. You've been listening to a fast-moving show of I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. Hey!